welcome to Reality Check with Bradford and Kate. Gordon gets died 15 across Los Angeles. You were on Grinder. <laughs> I was on Farmer's Daughter. And Brad just had three shots of espresso, so we can get this party started. Right. Actually, two shots. Carrie okay. Sherman. Yeah, so Hi guys. let's open it. Okay. Like when we were all 12, 10, 11. Like, we all can remember, like, some creepy dude yelling yeah. something out a window that makes you feel, like, so insecure about your body and, like, scared. Because you're like, oh, my God, that old man just, like, yelled yeah, something like sexual to me. Literally, I remember Am I gonna get kidnapped? In, Man- in Manhattan, like, uh, just a well, few here, steps behind yeah, my dad. Yeah, let's talk already recording. Okay. Oh, oh, great. Okay. Okay, so you're doing another intro? Yeah. Bradford? Uh, what do we do? You know what we can do then? Why don't we put this podcast on? We'll do it like several weeks later and say we'll ha- we, we're having Carrie back. Okay. Okay. You know what I mean? We're back with Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, for any of you that heard one of our former podcasts, we had one of our friends. How should we call it? So we say ex producer. What do, we, what do we call you? What were we calling you then? She's still producing. producing? Recovering reality Recovering TV reality. show producer. Yeah. See, my memory's fucking it. It's and tough. currently hunger relief advocate. Yeah. So we're having her back, Miss Carrie. Hi, guys. Uh, yeah. Give it up. Is, no hand. Fuck it. No hand claps, Ryan. Yeah. Come on, give Ryan it up. Phillippe's here again. There it is. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, man. Just kidding. As usual, he's in. So I think we, we're going to touch... Um, on a subject that's that's going to definitely um, for the female based audience, which is primarily what it is. No, I, I think, think everyone, that there are some dudes. Well, I, I think that uh, what well, the feedback that I have been getting is that the girls like me, but their boyfriends or husbands also are entertained by you. So and it's everybody loves me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we have Carrie here. Right. Carrie. Well, well thanks so she's much for a having Gemini. Me. Oh, you're a Gemini. So we had we had Elizabeth in before. <laughs> exactly. No, no, that was Carrie before. This Elizabeth today. Exactly. Is that what, did yeah. you, exactly. For all you Gemini's out there, you uh, the two sides. We love it. Um, yeah. No, so I what's agree with been you. This going is, on, guys. So for my birthday, we went to do uh, we went to dinner at this amazing vegan restaurant called mm. Gracias oh, Madres. Madre. Oh yeah, shit. oh yeah, so good. Best what? food ever. It's a little bougie. It was it's a little too bougie. much on the scene. I felt like everyone was staring. Well, the girl I mean, beside me. Oh my okay. god. Okay, we have okay. To this is like an overheard LA. And we're off. <laughs> yeah, this is an overheard LA live. Okay. Okay. Because like, and by the way, in this podcast, if you're going to talk to, maybe you could go uh, Facebook Live or something like that if you want to get a couple questions in on the subject that we're about to touch on. Do you want to do that? I don't know how we kind of cool. Oh, fuck it. All right. We'll pretend like questions came in. (laughs) Why don't you you just post something on your story right now? Oh, yeah, you could do that Of the two of us. Yeah, it's kind of cool because, I mean, you're about to touch on a subject that a lot. I can go live. And also we should say, and you can cut all this out, but you should say um, like trigger warning at some point. I'm not cutting that out. Trigger warning. No, we need. No, I mean, trigger warning should be in there. I just yeah, mean all the know, bullshit that we're talking about right now can get cut out, right, okay. Ryan? Yeah, but I kind of think that's what makes it fun. Yeah. But uh, so let me get to the. Okay, so we get there, and mind you, we called for the reservation. Okay, and then it says, well, if you'd like to make a reservation, do it online. No big deal. We take walk-ins. We'd never been there. We didn't know where exactly where it was, or it was that far down near Robertson, and you know, in the Bouge. Uh, West Bouge. Um, so we, we were like, we go and we're like, oh shit, it's a Tuesday night and valet stacked out. We've got people, the place is packed. 
And I'm like, fuck. And we, so we're going to go to this comedy store. We're going to go to the comedy store and watch uh, some good old comedians. And we're like, we don't have time. The lady's like 50-minute wait. So then I see we see the bar, of course. Well, can we sit at the bar? And eat? Oh, sure, no problem. There's a girl sitting there, your typical L.A.-looking girl. Mm-hmm. Um, she's sitting there. And there's a seat to her left, a seat to her right, and they're empty. But, of course, she's in the she's middle. She's in the middle. Of course. And, mind you, her legs are crossed, and she's turned all the way to the side, interfering with the seat on the right. And her food and plates are spilling into that whole area. And, and her coat and purse are spread across them. And they spread across. And she's on the phone, way. loudly speaking. Mm. Okay. So I went up, and I just... We had asked the ladies next to her if they could move over a little bit because, like, God forbid if I inter- interrupt this girl's, you know, important phone call that everybody else needs to hear. So we make room. We're sitting there. And, I mean, she's going on and on and on. But who she's talking – I can't help but to listen. She's talking to this person, and she's basically telling them how if this guy can't recognize what she's about to bring to his life, then fuck him. And I'm like, oh, shit. I well, kind of like well, her well. now. I mean, I thought to myself – Okay, I mean, I see where you're going, but kind of is going to segue to what uh, Whitney Cummings, Whitney, uh, yeah, Cummings, Whitney Cummings, what was saying of one of the comedians. It was funny. It's like the girl who thinks, okay, why am I not getting respect? Where's my guy? This, she's like, look, all the normal girls. But now I, I don't want to fuck it. She up. was she, so great because because this um, is going to segue to that. She was kind of bringing the conversation to me too, and she's a super successful woman and works around all men. Mm-hmm. So, and she's produced shows and she does stand up comedy, and she's like, she's she's really, an author, she's, she's a director, yeah, she's so, a screenwriter, she's she's beautiful, right. she's fucking funny. So I was dying. We got sat in the very first seat, like right at their feet, and I'm like, oh god, like this <laughs> is oh, it. it just gives it makes you anxious. You never want to be in the front row at a comedy show. So um, she gets up there and she's like, you know, it's so funny because all of her male friends who are in their 40s and 50s are like terrified of me too because now they're like. Ugh. I can't do anything like oh so we can't hug at work anymore and she's like dude you could never do that right like you could never do that but she talked about how there were a lot of things she didn't even realize were wrong because she'd just been so used to like that stuff and she was saying a guy used to come up to her at work and she'd stick her butt out and he'd run his hand like between her butt crack and be like denied approved denied approved and she's (laughs) like I thought it was funny she's like I wasn't taking offense to that she's like it was genuinely funny and she's like but you know there's this whole conversation where a lot of the comics and like the older men that are used to like doing their whole bit on these played out kind of you know stereotypes of women and all these things now can't really do that because of no one thinks it's funny. Because it's not funny. Right. By the way it was never funny Mm -hmm. it was that we maybe weren't woke enough to know it wasn't funny. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of things that I've laughed at in my life because everyone else was laughing. Totally. Right. And I think like that's the thing with female comics now and why, you know, that new movie coming out, the I Feel Pretty, Mm -hmm. I can't wait to see that. It looks so funny. And you know, so so the the gentleman who wrote that movie with his writing partner is married to the actress Busy Phillips, who's super active on social media, who I love and I see her in Whole Foods all the time and I like sometimes low-key follow her just to like see what she's buying even though I know I'm gonna see it on her her on her story anyway and they're actually the duo that wrote Never Been Kissed which I always loved like I I always thought that that movie was such a good example of like 
how the ugly duckling story is so not typical in black and white and can be everyone and anyone. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, it's real. It's 15 years old, that movie. And you can be 35 and pretend to be a high school student. and No one will notice. No one will notice. (laughs) By the way, Jessica Alba in that movie, like pre honey, Uh so many people in that movie. But anyway, what I was going to say is that that movie, and if you guys haven't seen, and I don't know when this is going to air, it may be out by then, but the preview for that movie is so hysterical. Basically, the premise is Amy Schumer wakes up from a fall or an accident yeah. or something. She falls off a spin bike and her hair gets wrapped around the wheel. And she <laughs> and she bangs her head and it's like super traumatic. By the way, that's why I don't spin because I'm like Bridget Jones. I went to one class and I fell over and I like couldn't get up for 25 minutes. And if then I just had to sit in the front of Soul Cycle, just right. like, oh hey, I'm just sitting, I'm just here. The like shame. I work here. I live here now. Um but what's so funny, like so innately hysterical about that preview to me is that what I re- how I reacted to seeing Amy Schumer wake up from this accident and not knowing that she looks like she does. Yeah. Like that's the whole premise is that she thinks Come she's like the most how. beautiful. Yeah. yeah. She's the most beautiful woman in the world. And she looks in the mirror and she's like, holy shit. Are you look at me. All this and her stomach's out and she's like. I'm beautiful. Yeah, and it's just like <laughs> such a freeing moment and it's yeah. an image of of a woman that we've never seen in mm-hmm. cinema, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Amy Schumer is so hysterical. Some some people hate her, some people love her, but she's so smart and the projects that she does, I personally feel are so awesome and I just, I'm excited to see it. Well, I just feel like she's so on course of like female humor and it's funny because we've been so conditioned to male humor which is Mm -hmm. what we were just talking about where it's just these like this one view about women and like you know and it's kind of like haha we've never seen the other side where it's it's like makes us laugh at the core because we've all experienced those moments and there she was talking to one of in the movie in the trailer she's talking to a, a model who's crying in the bathroom and she's like I just am feeling really insecure about myself right now and she's like I want to punch you in the face. (laughs) You know, and it's just like, we've all, no matter what you look like, and that's what's so funny is people will say that and be like, yeah, right. Like you feel like that. I'm like, it doesn't matter what you look like. It, every woman feels that way. Every woman. And so to understand that and just really kind of like connect on that level, I think is really funny. So that's exactly what Whitney was doing. And she brought up this whole thing that I was dying about because she's like, I don't think guys get it. Like for me, my my car is parked across the street and after I leave here, I'm going to have to make a whole game plan of how I'm going to get from here to my car without that dude over there who's clearly a murderer and that <laughs> dude who's going to rape me and this dude over here. And she's yeah. like, I'm like, that is actually kind of like the programming that we run through our head without even realizing it of like, we're always on high alert of, okay, I need to make sure that I need to be safe. And like, that's just something then it doesn't occur to them. So she, her whole bit was about a lot of those things that I was I was like really laughing at because I'm like, she forgot the part about how there's probably someone in your backseat as well who's going to kill you. And I think, you know, what you said when we first started today is that, you know, we have been conditioned to think that some of the things that really aren't funny are funny. And so to Whitney's point, you know, especially in the workplace with the Me Too movement in Hollywood right now, you know, a lot of women in this industry didn't necessarily know that these things were truly inherently wrong. They mm-hmm. just knew that they made them uncomfortable. Right. But nobody had ever given them permission to say, this is wrong and I don't like it. Right. Um, and I think that's why there are a lot of men, by the way, innocent, 
you know, innocent until proven guilty men who were raised by wonderful mothers who would never think to find themselves in an uncomfortable, shitty position at work. Those guys are the ones who are talking with their friends right now about mm-hmm. like, holy shit, can I not like give somebody a hug? And, yeah. and you know, it's, that's a difficult place to be in. Right. And, and, because again, much like us, nobody's ever said to those guys, it's okay for you not, you know, to not want to slap someone's ass at yeah. work. Well, the thing she brought up is exactly to this point that I never thought of actually. She said, oh, well, one of the guys was saying, oh, I can't say you, you have a nice dress or I like that dress. And she goes, no, because what you're saying, she's like, are you a fucking fashion expert? No, you're not. What you're saying is I like your body in that right, dress. And right. I was like, I never even thought of it like that. And so it was just, it's been so normalized that I was like, whoa. And she does such a great job of like, making it funny because the other part that we were laughing about is she she's said she works in an office setting and she's like first of all that's just caging people together with a lot of sexual tension <laughs> like for all like too many hours so of the true. day and it's like hard to not expect like your mind to just like wander she's like it happens to me when she sits in business meetings and she's like and you know I'm always like is it is it a dick or is it a pleat? Is it a dick or is it a pleat? Right, <laughs> She's right. like, and there's no pleats anymore, so I know what it is. And, <laughs> and listen, <laughs> like, this is the thing that I do love about comedy. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's it's absolutely vital to make these things funny. Yeah. Because it's hard to digest how unfucking funny sexual assault in the workplace is. Yes. And so we need people like Whitney Cummings to have a voice for women who work in an office, who work in a male-dominated field to tell us that like we can laugh about it, but only because we're woke enough to know Mm -hmm. that it's not fucking funny and it's not okay. Right. And- you know, for a lot of people listening, like that, this may be a triggering conversation, mm-hmm. and that's okay if you have to, you know, take a step back or fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I personally have absolutely experienced sexual assaults in the workplace, mm-hmm. and I did not feel as though I had a department to go to or a female figure I could trust to speak to about it, and. Um, it was something, it is something that totally plagues me that I didn't speak up because Mm -hmm. this person who I experienced this with, um, which also is maybe not the right way to say it because I feel like that kind of gives them a say in my experience and I don't mean it to sound that way. Mm -hmm. So let me just be clear and say the person who was inappropriate and touched me in a way that I should have reported, but I didn't, is still on set. Mm -hmm. And so as somebody who, you know, I consider myself a fighter, I consider myself to be an empath, I consider myself to be super compassionate, I was not whole enough, I did not feel my own worth enough to go and report this person. Mm -hmm. And I still think about it all the time. But I'm... I'm a very strong-willed person, and everyone knows I have no problem, like, speaking out or doing, you know, like, saying what I think or... But I know myself in that situation as well, and I don't know what I would do either because they're... Like, I just would feel, like, somehow, like... I did something wrong or like, I don't want to make it a bigger deal. Like, right. You have that too of like, oh, I can just absolutely. let it be what it is, or I can go make it this big deal where now I'm responsible for like 
turning this in and holding this person accountable and like taking all these steps where, or I could just like, just move on and just pretend it didn't happen. Like that's a very, like it's a lot to ask of someone who has been like put in that position to then go, Oh, now, now it's on you to like prove guilt and to make sure right, that this right. person is punished. Like why is that on the person who was victimized? You right. know, it's like, it's and, hard. And you know, like any, you know, any assault, um, sexual, physical, you know, verbal abuse, mental abuse, it, at some point, you know, you have to acknowledge that it involves both people. Um, however, sexual assault is one of those things that almost always provokes the thought that I did something Mm -hmm. and I invited this. And, you know, you and I've talked about this before, you know, I felt as a young, you know, pubescent adolescent that I was really sexualized because I developed really early Mm -hmm. and I had curves and I was 12 and I looked 16. And I think that that's a really good example of, you know, being taught that dressing a certain way is asking for Mm -hmm. it. Um, Walking a certain way is an invitation. Well, it's the dress code at school mentality of you boys are not able to restrain themselves and to be respectful and therefore if you show show your shoulder you've done something wrong that is stopping this person from being able to learn in school and I think that that we Brad and I have these conversations all the time like yes young boys have testosterone and there's like that element to it but there also is no education in how to be respectful right and there's no bar being set to say this is a part of puberty this is what you go through if you can't be respectful you can't be here on the other hand we should be teaching how to be respectful teaching girls to be respectful of themselves without shaming them but that's where the conversation comes in about these influencers we just talked about of like why how sexuality is promoted in the media is so powerful for the younger generation. Yes. And it's it's a very difficult thing to navigate and a hard conversation to have because it's so complex and there's no and, right answer, I guess. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that our generation's daughters have the most incredible fighting chance mm-hmm. of growing up in a society where the boys in their class and the girls in their class are all taught how to act. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that starts in the home. Mm -hmm. You know, my girlfriend has three babies under the age of four. And her four-year-old... Oh, my gosh. I know. Bless her. (laughs) She's incredible. And her four-year-old is a girl and her three-year-old is a boy. And they're basically Irish twins. They're Mm -hmm. thirteen, barely 13 months apart. And... um, You know, she is extremely specific with her four-year-old now of using, you know, the words of what our body parts are called. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, nicknames Mm -hmm. because she wants her daughter to know what that body part is called, what the name of that body part is, so that, God forbid, if she's in a situation, she knows the proper term Mm -hmm. to say. I mean, that's a frightening fucking thought Mm -hmm. that you need to teach your four-year-old. However... I think she's woke as fuck. (laughs) And I think that's incredible that she's doing that. Because in order for our daughters and our sons to be the kind of, you know, participating members of society that we want them to be, you know, they have to have that education. And even, even another thing that I never thought of is true. Like we want to hug her and we're like, Oh, give me a hug. Give me a hug. And sometimes she'll go, no, 
<laughs> and we're like, oh, come on, give me a hug. She's like, no. And we think it's so funny. But it's like also respecting her already to say, no, she doesn't want to give a hug. Yeah. Like, I don't have to like force her to get, why should she be forced to give someone a hug when she clearly doesn't want to give a hug? Like, so it's also those kinds of things that I really want to instill in her to be comfortable saying no thank you like and I'm not obligated to do that like that's you know right that's a choice and and that's something we don't teach kids it's like you my grandmother's generation is like kids don't get a say in anything because you're a kid what do you know like she actually believes like kids table mentality yeah exactly you're separate until you're old enough to carry a conversation and and be that way right and what we've actually just witnessed raising her is how you're innately already communicative of what you're comfortable with Mm -hmm. and she hasn't been taught that she should just go oh okay I have to like she goes no (laughs) and it's so funny and she is very vocal about what she likes and doesn't like and I think that that's something I want to like protect and make sure that she can be maybe more polite about it as she learns to say no thank you. I mean, I I can tell you straight up, like as a 19, 20, 21 year old in college, I didn't have that, you know, soul communicating vocabulary that your daughter does to say to a man, this is not comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. This is not what I want to be doing. I didn't have that. Um, that's a lot to ask right. when someone is in a power position over you. And they talked about that as well when she was like, guys would say, why didn't they speak up sooner? And she's like, because we're fucking scared of you. Right. And she's like, it was only like 20 years ago that you just couldn't kill us, you know? Right. Like, And it's so true. It's like a very threatening position to be in all the way around and to expect like young girls that don't have the life experience, um, the self-confidence surely is not there, to go against a powerful person a physical force and then just like more commanding person to say no that's making me uncomfortable and what is the result of that going to be it's scary you know this is a really um emotional topic for me Mm -hmm. you know you two know because we're friends and we have a personal relationship but you know I was in an abusive relationship with somebody who married a family member of mine and we work together Mm -hmm. and I, you know, being in a reward-based culture in the entertainment industry, found myself in a position of desperately wanting acceptance. And I really believe that that could have happened in any environment I was in because I was very stagnant. I wasn't growing. I was growing professionally, but personally... I was, you know, looking to suppress wounds. Mm-hmm. I wasn't I wasn't ready for healing. And so what ended up happening was I kind of welcomed this really toxic relationship into my life because there were things about it that felt like home, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't I don't mean home to mean my parents or the home I grew up in, but home meaning a a place to rest, you know, a place to to, to dream a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's really difficult with all these fucking sirens. (laughs) And I don't mean to sound so upbeat while, while talking about something that is probably the most, one of the most traumatic things that's ever happened in my life. But, you know, you don't enter into any situation of abuse without having a part in it. 
Have you read The Body Keeps the Score, the book? No, I haven't. It was fascinating because it was about trauma and how it actually alters your brain Mm -hmm. chemistry. So when you work with someone who's been through abusive relationships or trauma as a kid and they're making decisions that you're like, that doesn't make sense why you would continue to make that decision. It's actually affected parts of their brain because it's like defense mechanism. I mean, I mean, that's absolutely correct. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, even, even therapists or, or anybody who's been in this situation, you know, they use the term brainwash Mm -hmm. because you rewire your brain to accept these unacceptable things Mm -hmm. and to savor the moments that are good Mm -hmm. and to ignore the moments that are bad. And, you know, the situation that I was in it does is not a conventional, if you will, you know, abusive relationship. I was not with a man. Um, and so I think a lot of times when I open up about it, it's hard to digest for someone else. And what I'll say to that is, you know, any situation in which you have, you feel your soul, your heart, your body, your morals have been compromised because of someone else's power, that is abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens in the workplace all the time for women. Yeah. And that is, you know, that's and from other women. And that's where this happened to me. And I, you know, and I, I say that with, with much, um, you know, I, I want to put a lot of weight on the fact that I say, you know, that it happened to me because as much as I was involved in it, you know, uh, when you're dealing with abusive people, which nine times out of 10 are, you know, borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. are narcissists, are sociopaths, you know, those people are that way for a reason because mm-hmm. of things that happened to them exactly. when they were young. And so in order to see them with compassion, in order to see this person that I was in this terrible situation with, you know, that that caused such havoc in my life and and such, such terrible, um, you know, view of myself, uh, you know, I, all the love that I once had for myself was completely absolved within this relationship I was mm-hmm. in. You know, it's it's really difficult to come back from that and mm-hmm. to find that. And I think, you know, what really helped me was, and not a lot of people have the ability to do that, but I completely had to cut it off mm-hmm. because like you just said so many times, I wanted to get out and I tried to get out, but I was so easily mm-hmm. brought back in mm-hmm. and I was, you know, intoxicated with the things I was doing at my job that were good, which I have shared with you guys before, you know, some was really toxic and some was really great, mm-hmm. but you know, it's important to recognize that you don't, that I did not, and I can only speak for myself, that I did not find myself in this abusive situation in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. I was very broken when this person came into my life and I allowed this. Mm -hmm. But although I allowed it at the beginning, I still... Yeah. 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 No, it's okay. It's okay. Actually, I'm going to cut in real quick. So we have a question. Um, Someone's asking, how do you feel or how do you allow yourself to heal when you're still hurting um, or when your environment is no longer supportive or just not supportive? I think that's an incredible question. Do you mind if I take Go, that? Please, I think it plays to what you were just yeah, saying. Yeah, I think that's a really incredible question. And who whoever asked that, I just want you to know that like, I don't consider myself healed. I'm healing. And I think it's really important to remember that 
this, that journey that you may be on is a marathon. It's not a race. Mm-hmm. There isn't going to be a line that you cross and it's all done. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody said to me at a really early stage of this process, when I quit my job, put all my shit in storage, traveled the world for seven months, lived at home with my parents for three mm-hmm. months, you know, very early on in that process of my eat, pray, love year and, you know, therapy and meditation and eating right and changing my life, you know, healing doesn't happen from suppression. Healing happens from releasing. And if you can find a safe space and a safe relationship to do that in, to speak freely without judgment, to journal, to meditate, to learn to be okay with yourself and and to give yourself permission to still be hurt no matter how long it takes. I think that is the most important thing mm-hmm. because when you suffer trauma and like we said earlier and also last time I was here, you know, whether the trauma that was in your life happened when you were a baby and you didn't even know what was going on mm-hmm. and it's so in your fabric mm-hmm. or if you, you know, we're in an abusive relationship in your 20s. Pain is pain Mm -hmm. is pain. And in order to heal that pain, you, you must, and I had to, go deeper than I thought I was even capable of. And when I got to that place, to those really deep, dark, scary, cavernous corners of my heart, I am not gonna act like it was pleasant because it wasn't. And there were a lot of things that I needed to be accountable for that in the in the span of that relationship I was in was not accountable for. I was very much in my blame. I felt like this person was doing everything to me and everything was happening to me and there was just a cloud over my head like I was Eeyore. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, that isn't really what happened. And if you can give yourself true heartfelt permission to see the situation and include what you did and didn't do for yourself, I really believe that that's a beautiful place to start your healing. I also think too, like allowing yourself to feel the pain. Cause I think so much of what women yeah. do is they try to just cover it and mask it and push it and you know, substance abuse or other boyfriends and like- In my case, eating. Eating, yes, exactly. Just to like distract from it, hoping it'll go away instead of what you said, like having to face it and feel it is like the only way for it to dissolve and become something else. And so I think that would be, you know, that's the place you want to strive to get to. And if you're not there yet, like surrounding yourself with people that are supportive and getting rid of people that are not is going to be really helpful. It's funny you say that because actually the next question was pretty much exactly that. It says, what advice uh, would you guys give uh, to be stern in setting boundaries with those negative people, if they're mm. in your family, mm. partnerships, or your business. Now, Katie and I talk <laughs> yeah. about this okay. often. So, yeah, touch on that. I'm just going to touch briefly on this. So, my mom and I have the same birthday. So, we're astrologically connected. Yeah, we're very much the same, but very much different. And we kind of butt heads about a lot of things, and we're both stubborn. And she comes from a different generational view of everything as well. So there's that. And, you know, I just sometimes I think she she wants something from me that I just, you know, we're just not 
I'm not able to give her and I want things from her as my mom that I have to accept that she's not going to be the person that can give those things to me. Not love and acceptance. All that's fine. I just mean of like, you know, the other things that I'm looking for would be just encouragement to do all these different business things. And, you know, all of the stuff that this new generation of women are doing, I don't think we can really turn to our moms for that support and encouragement because it's so foreign to them. But by the way, like it's totally normal let me just validate you for a second right now, Katie, <laughs> being the powerhouse that you are, seriously, both of you in your relationship and as a mother and with your businesses, you do deserve to have your mama give you that encouragement. Right. And she, I, said that. I think no, she I somehow thinks that she does. Sure. So that's why sure. I just go, okay, I just need to seek it in other places that's going to fit for me instead of trying to force her to do something that I don't know if she's even aware of. So like I had to acknowledge that and decide, okay, this frustrates the shit out of me. And Brad would go, you keep going, you keep going back to the same place, hoping for a different result. And it's always the same result. Why do you keep going back to that place knowing that you're always going to get the same thing? And I was like, I don't know. I guess I felt like I was supposed to. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, because you were, you were, Basically asking the same question, but uh, but expecting the answer you wanted to hear, right. which isn't always what you want, what you right. need, or what's going to be said, which is if you can't come to the reality that an individual may not view that exactly that same way. In other words, if you go to somebody and you say, this is what I'm needing from you, this is or that, they may hear it differently. That Her reality is it's very different rea- from mine. We talk about reality. It's very different. We could watch the same movie and you'd swear to God we saw two different movies. Yeah, you could see a car accident and then you a policeman asked the four people that saw it and everyone has a different account right. of what happened right. and whose fault it was. So, you you know, when you approach somebody and you say, uh, this is what I'm kind of, this is how I'm feeling, even mm-hmm. if you're communicating as best as you think you can and as clear, crystal clear as you want, they hear it differently. Mm-hmm. Or they give you an answer. You're like, motherfucker, we're right back to where <laughs> right. we, we just, just started. I'm almost circles. more frustrated than I was before. So the person asking, I'm sure yeah. that you've been in that exact same position where you keep going to someone and you're like wanting something from them and they can't give that to you and you just do this over and over. And I just got to a point where I was like, oh, I have to break that cycle. Like, why do I keep doing this, causing this frustration? And I decided to do that. So, you know, I had to people don't make you feel a particular way. You allow yourself to feel the way that way. No one makes you mad. No one makes you happy. No one makes you angry. These are choices you've chosen. Now, granted, you know, they're not helping. But the relationships are complicated because people are complicated. Especially if it's family. So setting boundaries, sometimes I think it's just evaluating the relationship. Are you getting anything beneficial from this relationship? Or is it primarily frustration or someone makes you have low self or doesn't make you but says things that cause you to have thoughts of insecurity and low self-esteem and all of these things. Is that benefiting you towards where you want to be? Or is that keeping you where you are in a place that's not good for you? And when you can identify that, that's when you can start to even recognize that you can make a different choice. But if you're not even aware that that's happening, you're not even in a position to choose something different. And let's just say, you know, for, for anybody listening and for everyone who's ever been in a situation in which they felt uncomfortable, let's just talk about boundaries for a second. Mm -hmm. Boundaries are uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but absolutely necessary to protecting yourself, your truth, your growth, your spirit. Mm -hmm. So boundaries are something that 
don't always exist in our closest, most important relationships in our lives. And a lot of people think that because this person is my mother or because this person is my uncle, I'm not supposed to have boundaries with them because Mm -hmm. they have my last name and Mm -hmm. we have the same blood. But the thing is, the thing is, (laughs) your family deserves, just like you deserve, to be held to the highest standard because they are your family. They do not get a pass because they are your family. In fact, they need to rise to the place that makes you feel good, that makes Mm -hmm. you feel comfortable, that makes you feel safe because they are your family. And if the person who asked this question is not talking about a family member, let me say having boundaries in your friendships, having boundaries with your boss, having boundaries with your fucking dog (laughs) is vital to being the best version of yourself that you can be. And also being respected because it's an innate thing. Like as someone who commands respect by setting boundaries is going to attract a totally different caliber of person. Yeah. Because you're like, oh shit, I can't fuck with this person. It's very blatantly, obviously you you put off an energy that is a completely different energy than you would as a person who lets people walk all over you. That is so on the money. And if you need a tangible way to figure out how to establish your boundary, the simplest form is to ask yourself, does this make me comfortable? Does this bring me joy? Does this make me feel safe? And if the answer to any of those questions is not in alignment with what you know is your truth, then you need to put your foot down Mm -hmm. and it will be uncomfortable, but then it'll be over. And the real work with boundaries I have found is not simply laying them down, but is then continuing to protect that line and continuing to act a way that commands and demands somebody responds to you the way that you have set this precedent. And not worrying so much about what the people think about you setting a boundary because it is uncomfortable, but there's nothing that feels worse than not saying something right after and you're like god damn it I really wish I would have spoken up for myself I really wish I had said that 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 was annoying that that happened when I should have said something like that's the worst for me that's the Mm -hmm. worst feeling like when I do stand up for myself even if it is uncomfortable I at least feel like I have a backbone and I'm like well I stood up for myself and that's a place of self-esteem you know and it it is difficult I mean because the person said sometimes you know like what if they're so stubborn and, and they just can't get right, past it. Right. Would you like to but talk about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's real simple. Also, are you flipping the camera on yourself right now? I, I'm not. I, know, you wanna, oh, okay. <laughs> I know. I'm talking and it's got it's on Katie's face. Somebody asked if it was a podcast. Uh, it is. We're just we're, we're recording the podcast and we decided to go live, take a few questions. Um, are we on Facebook or Instagram? Insta. Insta. Uh, here's the thing. I had that happen to me. Now... Again, I've, I found myself in the past allowing this person to irritate and frustrate me. And Katie and I, we had a really heart-to-heart conversation about this. I said, it's real simple. We're kind of fixers. We, we can tend to look at people and we're like, oh my gosh, if they would just do this, if they would just do this, <laughs> that their life would be fucking amazing. Yeah. Like, right. why are they not doing that? And of course, you have to let people sail as, you know, the, wind, the way the wind takes them to make their own decisions. But what we were doing is we were pushing, Katie and I, our, like, our expectations onto other people. And this was a particular family member of mine that I know wouldn't be listening anyway, so it's quite okay. <laughs> but it's funny because we wanted this person 
to do it this way or that way. And it was just allowing me to get frustrated by that. And I, it just got to a point the last time we saw him, there's just some, some real dumb shit went down. He's the and most stubborn of, person I have ever, and when, like when that, to another level of stubborn. When that girl writes, if they're stubborn, I mean, this is like, you look up stubborn and this dude's picture is <laughs> stubborn, okay? And so I just got to the point, we got into a little tiff, nothing overly crazy, nothing like high raise volumes, but I hit that point. I'm going to look directly in the camera. Yeah. Here's what happened. It's a brother. I hit that <laughs> point and I just simply said, Fuck it. Yeah. I don't need to be here. I don't need to talk about it with you anymore. I've expressed how I feel. It's all good. We can love each other. Just can't be in this space anymore. Can't do it. If it wants to change at some point, it can change. We can have a discussion later. I'm not cutting the person off. We'll still talk. But I'm no longer going to allow that to affect me. I'm not going to try and change their opinion about it the way they are. That's just the way they are. And I'm sure if he was on a podcast talking about it, he would have the opposite right, you know what I mean, view right. of this. Because again, we talked about perspective. You, When you're down on the ground, it looks very different than when you're flying over your city landing. Very di- Same city, two different perspectives. I get it. He has a different perspective. But it wasn't working for myself anymore. It wasn't working for Katie and our lives. So I just have to simply say, this way. Right. You got to go this way. I got to go this way. And if it, if it meets again, fine. I don't care if it's a brother, a mother, a job, a boss, a fucking spouse. I don't care. It doesn't matter. If they're not bringing something to your life in a respectful way, and maybe it's vice versa, and it's just harmful to your soul and harmful to your well-being, why are you doing it? Right. If, I, if I wear a pair of pants that gives me chub, chub rub 24-7, I'm going to fucking throw the pants away. <laughs> I don't need the pants smart. anymore. That's you know smart. what I'm saying? Smart. That's and ha- honestly, that like, I, I respect <laughs> that so much, Brad, because family is... I mean, family is just That's the, the most one. the most complex, the most convoluted, filled with heart, filled with anger, filled with hurt. Um, and so what I would say to the person who asked that question is unless we're talking about your husband or your live-in partner. It's a mother-in-law. Okay, great. <laughs> that, this, this is it. You know what? Mother-in-law is a, is a beautiful example. Um, you know, that person gave you your husband. So there is respect that that is due there, but it doesn't have to go beyond that. Right. But that you're person, not married to her. Exactly. Right. It, yeah. If no, she does not life. respect you, you are entitled to say, time out, time out. This is our marriage. This is my life. This is my space. This is my energy. And in order for me to be the best daughter-in-law and wife and maybe mother, I'm going to need you mm-hmm. to pause. Mm-hmm. And that is okay. And I think something that has happened, especially with women, women our age, women older than us, women younger than us, in the relationship of being a wife and having a mother-in-law or having a father-in-law or having sisters-in-law, is that nobody ever said, it's okay that you're not best friends. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up with my father's mother being so hard on my mom. And I saw what that did to the relationship between my parents and what that did to my relationship with my grandmother. And only when we got older did my mom say, you know, I'm not coming to some things or I'm not, I'm not going to be at every single thing and be up her ass. And I think when she did that, she showed me that respecting yourself in that context is more powerful than any screaming match or any fight that you will ever get in with that person. Mm -hmm. And so if you can say, I need a timeout, 
this is what I need. I'm not asking you for anything. I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I think that's the most powerful thing. And hopefully your husband's on board. I mean, you're, yeah, you're, the spouse has to be it's on a, board. It's a, t- it's a tough... It's tough. I mean, that's a, that's a conversation that should start first in your own family. Right. Then you can work unit. it to, as a yeah. unit and make sure you're on the same page and work it to the extended family because we have a good friend of ours that just broke up with a boyfriend that had the same issue. Yeah. The boyfriend was attached to the mom as if like they, they would had a go out right. on a right. date. They would go on a date? And he would bring her? Oh, no, worse. No, worse. He Girl. would hold his, like, have his arm around his mom. Oof. And, oof. Not, and not she's like, uh, and she's girlfriend. like walking behind them. Well, you know? like, by the way, that's a that's a man who who needs some help. <laughs> that's, what that's what we, we said. said. Like, and like now they're beyond, no longer together, exactly. which is good. She was able to taking yeah. it beyond that relationship. I mean, that's a great example of codependency. <laughs> that's a great <laughs> example of something that was missing when he was growing up. Yeah. Something that was missing in her life when she was raising her son. Um, you know, but to that person, like we hear you and we're sending you love and, yes. and you know, it, I, she nobody, said, nobody envies the position you're in right she now. She said, thank you. Uh, hearing from someone else other than my family makes, helps me see the bigger picture. I need a timeout and that's perfect. Jake, her husband agrees with her. Good. So, good. Awesome. All right. Way to go, Jake. Way to support yeah. your woman. Yeah, man. That's huge. Cause yes. that's your family now. You yeah. guys have your own family and. Yes, we all have moms and dads, whether they're still with us or not. The reality is, you know, I mean, they're going to be an integral, huge part of our lives always, right? right? But they're not, as an adult, when you have your own family, whether you have kids or not, you have a husband, a spouse, maybe if it's a living boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it might be, that is now your family, your unit. You guys have to be solid together and not let the outside forces interfere. I also Katie think and that I do not let outside forces interfere. And but I, I, I do think that you guys are the exception. And I say are. that with love I and agree. respect. No, I agree with you 100%. You know, you've been together for a long time and you two know each other and yourselves so well and are able to see so clearly through the eyes of your own relationship. And I think a lot of people um, maybe don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so I want to, you know, praise you guys and say that. But I also want it to be clear that people listening don't feel like, oh, my God, my man and I aren't like that. Right. Right. Yet. Yet, by the way. But you can work towards that. Exactly. But the thing that I think when it comes to families to to tie it all in is back to what you said is like we have to acknowledge that our parents and grandparents come from very dysfunctional backgrounds. Like it was not very loving. Yeah. There's a heavy alcohol influence in so many of those communities. The Irish Catholic community, I don't think anyone was sober, like my <laughs> grandparents. <laughs> and so they are just very shut off to like love and acceptance and communication and self-growth. That's a new thing. Like we didn't, self-help is like, that's yeah. a new concept for our parents' generation. So we have to understand that. And they were raised by a generation that was even <laughs> more, even more, more suppressed, more, right? right? So we're trying to now raise our kids to not need to recover from their childhood. And knowing that those boundaries, is that's what we're trying to stop from having an effect is like to say, this is going to make you uncomfortable, mother-in-law, mm-hmm. because in our home, this is the atmosphere we're working to create, which is not the generation you come from. And I understand that you won't understand it, but this is important to me and we'd love for you to be a part of it. But only can we do that in this way because this is important for our kids and how we want to raise them. And I think that's so incredible that mm-hmm. you can say that as a mom and as a wife. you know. And what I want to say to the woman who asked the question and her husband, Jake, is... 
what you guys are going to do is going to show your children, whether you have them now or not, what it means to choose each other, Mm -hmm. to choose your partner, to choose your marriage over these other influences, even if they are your Mm mother-in-law. I mean, that goes for your job, money, anything else that could potentially take precedent over your marriage. But I just think it's so admirable that you two are choosing each other and that you guys are going to support each other in this. There's one last one and then we'll, uh, then we'll get off the live portion of it. Um, this, this uh, lady was asking, she's basically set these boundaries with her parents, but it's not working, unfortunately. And uh, she, but she misses basically mm-hmm. having a mom and a dad and she doesn't want to cut the ties to the point of severing them completely. I wanted to know if there was some kind of a balance or compromise that possibly could be had. That depends on them. That depends yeah. on, yeah. Are they willing to compromise your needs of like to say the things that where you're butting heads and what you're asking for, are they willing to give that to you as your mother and father? And if if you're coming to them as their child, like I speak now as a mom, that if my daughter came to me and said, you know, I'm not getting this from you and this is important for me to like like myself or be a good person or whatever, I would be devastated and I would try to do everything that I could to make sure that I am always supporting her, loving her and accepting her. Like that's my, my role as her mother. So, and Brad's role as her father. So if your parents are incapable of giving that to you, then I don't know if it's necessarily healthy to be around. I don't know the full situation. And she said her dad was not willing to sit down uh, with her right. or I mean, hear her out or I talk. Mean, and, so. and exactly to Katie's point, mm-hmm. you know, you should never, one should never, I should never, you should never have to give up everything that you need within a relationship in order to have the relationship at all. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like a very sad situation and I'm so sorry and I'm sending you love mm-hmm. in this. What I will say is, you know, look to your, this is a woman, right, Brad? Yeah. You know, look, look, look to the women in your life to provide you a, a soft place to land mm-hmm. like a mother would. You may never find that true comfort that you once had in the arms of your mother, in someone else. But if you can show up for yourself in those other relationships, I guarantee you, you will receive that back and you will be able to find strength in that. And nobody will ever be able to replace your parents, ever. However, if what your parents are doing to you is hurtful still, even after, like Katie said, even after you've asked them for what you what you need, you know, there's really not much else that you can do. Mm-hmm. And that breaks my heart for you, truly, because, you know, those relationships define our lives entirely in every aspect. And so if you can you know, look, look elsewhere is my best advice. And I know that may not sound pretty and it's not wrapped up in a nice bow, but if you can find that energy and find that solace 
in someone else, you know, and, and share the things with them that you would want to share with your mom about a date or something, mm-hmm. you know, your kid did at school or some amazing thing that you finally conquered in yoga, you know, share that with people who love you and you're going to feel that love and it will never be, it will never replace the love of a parent, but it will supplement that warm, fun, fuzzy, you know, nourishment that, that we all need as, as humans. Well, I also think that it's maybe you never really felt that unconditional love that you should have felt from them in the first place. And so maybe continuing to go back to that source again, looking for it and seeking and yeah, you're seeking it from a place that they can't give it to you. It's stopping you from actually receiving it from those people who are meant to be giving that to you and sharing that with you. So instead of internalizing it as like you're wrong or you did something wrong, this is definitely, um, on the side of a parent because I'm a parent and my only role again is to love and accept and care for my children as a mother. So that means that I'm the adult and I need to hear her and listen to her and make sure that I make adjustments for myself so that she can be the best person that she can be. And if, if that's not coming from a parent, then they need to revisit that on their own terms. And I don't think that has anything to do with you and you've done everything you can do. So I know that sucks. It's like such a hard situation, yeah. but there's obviously cool people out here mm-hmm. and you know, who you'll meet <laughs> and, and taking a step back, um, sometimes is the healthiest thing that yeah. you can do. And it sounds like you've kind of already done that, but that you're, you're still, you still have that innate desire that all children have, you know, to be, to have their souls, you know, recognized by their parents and, um, maybe you're meant to be their parent though. Yeah. Like I also believe in that as well. Sometimes I think we end you up parent, parenting our yes. parents Absolutely. And, and it's the generational thing. Like we're growing our growth mentally, emotionally, spiritually, the whole thing is so accelerated that it's almost like set in the fabric of like, they're so far behind that we are raising our children, but we're also raising our parents yeah. and there's going to be that struggle. There's going to be the conflict, but just knowing where you're going is the most important thing. So I hope that helped. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. We're kicking off the, we're turning off our Instagram live, but you guys can watch the rest of it and listen to it on the podcast when we post it. All right, guys. Thank you. Those are such great questions. Wow. Um, Wow. But see, this is what we talk about though. So if we look at, again, what do we see on Instagram and in the media? Love your body. These are all issues that contribute to you not liking your body, Mm -hmm. but it's really never been about your body. So I love that we can start to bring up some of those real things that everyone is dealing with because it's so common. And then we can have a platform for people to share and to even connect. Like that's what I love about it is that our events and stuff where women come and like, yes, like she just needs friends. And, (laughs) And I just think that like the energy at those events is one of such community right now that, that women and men, especially men, you know, are really seeking. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think young men specifically are not taught how to feel and process their emotions at all, nonetheless, in a healthy way. And so I think, you know, you know, Parkland, you know, you see that, that shooter and he's a loner and he's, you know, detached from his family and all these things. And, and I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that, you know, if his parents did something differently, that's not what I'm saying at all. Mm -hmm. But what I am saying is that if you are a parent of a son, it is, it is your responsibility right now in 2018 to 
educate him. If you are a father and you don't know how to process your emotions, it is your responsibility as the adult in that relationship, just like Katie said, to relearn how to feel and to give permission to that son and that child inside of you that never got what he needed to learn how to cry and to learn how to be okay with it. Because I really believe that compassionate men I mean, I'm so, I'm such a feminist and I'm so girl power. (laughs) However, I believe that compassionate men have the power to change our society. I totally agree. It's it's equality. So we say, we say this a lot. They say the future is female and we say, that's great. Like, yeah, females are rising, but the future is equality. Absolutely. And it's the yin and yang that's been off balance for so long. And like, way too long. That's like when we put it together. That's why Brad and I work so well together because he's got masculine and feminine qualities and so do I. Everyone does. And we've balanced them within ourselves and therefore again. we and balance each commercial. other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look over, Brad's losing his have... shit at a Michael Jordan's uh, commercial. I'm not kidding. He it actually brought a tear to his eye. I was like, I was like, are you? I got me. Are you crying at a Michael, Michael Jordan commercial? He's you like, know, he just is so, had such a great career. But the thing is too, I'm not afraid to be, I mean, I was very no. fortunate because I was adopted by You're not shamed when you're emotional either. No, my parents were like so cool about all of it in terms of like, just be you. If I wanted to be a firefighter on Tuesday, it's like, you're going to fight the biggest fires ever. You know, if I wanted to be a a drag queen on Thursday, they were like, you're going to wear the best, fanciest dress ever. Like, I don't care. (laughs) Right. I'm accepting of all. And I don't, I mean, I can cry with my daughter. I can laugh with her. We can watch, you know, fairy tales. We can do each other's hair. Yeah. If I had enough hair to braid, we could go down that road. (laughs) You know, I'll probably put in some uh, extensions just to do that with her. I don't, because for me, like we're all people. Yes. We, there's testosterone and estrogen levels that might separate us. There's some um, biology that separates men and women, but in real reality, we're human. And we all have very, very similar connections that are only slightly different. Mm -hmm. But yet society wants to peg us as this far left and far right thing that are very, that are so different that have to play these very specific roles. The fuck roles are and when it's impossible you know I mean? to understand each and other. And you can't. Yeah, well, yeah, I couldn't possibly How understand my wife because she's a woman. Oh, yeah, right on, right. I don't speak woman. Oh, <laughs> you know, I'm just a dumb man supposed to go make money. Like it's just a weird. I think again in 2018, I think it's great. Uh, I think we'll all look back a decade more. You know, probably take longer than that. Let's be honest. God, I hope. You know, not. I hope yeah. not. But I like to think everything's speeding up. Um, hopefully, our daughter. You know, whoever she decides to be with, whether it's a man, a woman, who cares, yeah, right? Who cares? Uh, it's just going to be like this amazing dude, a, a new generation of men. It's like we see a new generation of women. We need a new generation yeah. of men. Agreed. That That fucking thing but is expired. You know I what I mean? I will say women rising and having more confidence and setting higher standards will force men to do the same because yes, absolutely. We, especially in the arena of like dating and things like that, mm-hmm. because the number this one thing that, yeah, right we'll, we'll wrap this up, <laughs> but the number one, you know, power that women have is has been taught that it is their sexuality. What is the one thing that men want is girls. That starts from a very young age that we are taught that programming. And then we, you know, you have high self-esteem boys, sexually active younger with low self-esteem girls, as we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. So that right there is setting a tone for, oh, this is what I have to offer. This is what they're after. And we're all, everything else around that is just to get to basically to have sex. Yes. And it doesn't really evolve past that. Like there's no, there's no one teaching people how to have healthy relationships, how to communicate, how to be open and intimate. How to have healthy sex. Where are you you supposed to be learning all this stuff? And, and, And I think it's so important to say that like, even if you, 
yourself as a parent are not in your ideal relationship or one at all, you still have the ability to expose your child to healthy practices Mm -hmm. when it comes to love. Of course. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people, my impression is that a lot of people feel like whether they are a single parent or they're divorced or widowed or whatever it is that makes you, that takes you out of the norm. I think a lot of people feel like, well, who am I? Mm -hmm. You know, who am I to say that this is what love looks like? But I actually think that you are the exact Mm -hmm. person to show what love looks like because not all love is conventional. And I think that's something that young men are not exposed to. Mm -hmm. You know, we, again, we talk about a reward-based society. I mean, reward is the pussy. Mm -hmm. Reward is the car. Reward Mm -hmm. is the house. Mm -hmm. Which in turn all leads back to pussy. Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Again, this is a whole, this is me too. Our next podcast. But but you know what? It's it's an, it's an important thing I feel to own the word. And I don't mean it it. in a like women's March way, which I also fucking love, (laughs) but I mean it more in a, that's the word that the young men are hearing. Uh Right. And Mm -hmm. it's important for woke, intellectual, educated women to use it but use it the way it's supposed to be used. Right. Mm-hmm. And what I and what I like too, and uh, we always talk about Ryan Philippi in the studio. Is that his actual name is Phil? Uh, he does the engineering and stuff. He yeah, like let's just be clear, it's not actually yeah, Ryan no. Philippi. <laughs> Hopefully, every episode people will realize these guys they fucking have Ryan Philippi on it every time. <laughs> Why don't they, they have him talking? They have like though? Like four a, podcasts. How yeah. did they get Ryan Philippi? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I mean, his schedule's a little open these days, I think. But um. <sighs> You know, it's it's funny because like that's what um, attracted me to him. That led to us pussy? being yeah, pussy. He, <laughs> I just he was amazing. Um, was <laughs> so funny. Was us ending up in the studio with him is because the conversation that I find, and I you guys can't see me. Maybe no one knows what I look like. I kind of feel like I might embody a little bit of the LA douchebag look. Little of the five o'clock shadow kind well, of thing. Well, not so much. I don't think it's a douchebag. I don't think it's a douchebag look. Yeah, because I, I put on glasses. glasses. Now, yeah, so. thank you. See, no, but I used to certainly when I first moved here. I mean, I, you know, it was the whole. Uh, I was in the modeling world and all this shit. It's not who I am, even am as a person. If anyone stops to talk to me, I cannot do the sports pussy beer drinking conversation. Right. If that's how it starts, or that's where it's going to go. You might have my attention for 30 to 45 seconds. I have. And then he looks at me and rolls his eyes like, get me the fuck I'm away like, from this person. What the fuck is happening right now? I don't want to have this conversation. But, like, but, but why, why are you like that? Why are you the, like, you're the minority. I agree. Uh, right? I agree. I, but, but I feel why? like Ryan Phillips is this way. That's why I was saying the same thing. Like, we yeah. talk, uh, we've never had a discussion about any of those things. Um, and I'm sure he has interest in all three. I have interest in all three. Right, Great, right? right? But again, about forty-five seconds worth of conver- you know, <laughs> conversing on that. I right. think we've might can then move on. Um, but we've only had discussions about I don't know, dumb shit, cool shit. What are you doing with your life? Where are we at? Where you know the stars mm-hmm. themselves? I believe in aliens. Oh, we live out in Palm, you know Palm Springs. Let's go quad riding. Like all those random things. That's what I find interesting in people, and I do find it sad that again, from a societal standpoint, that men are pushed to have that conversation. Those because those are the important things. You know what I mean? Did your team win? That's what it is. Right. 
did your team win? Who's your girl? What kind of car are you well, driving? Well, I think they're the, those Where, are the you know, go-to things for guys. Like the like, weather. Like the when weather. You don't, like, yeah, when you yeah, don't know exactly. somebody, guys, you ever notice oh, this? When you weather. don't really know somebody, somebody's like, oh, it's, it's cold nice outside. Out. The fuck of it? Who cares if fucking cold? We know it's right. cold. We came in from the outside. Let's mm-hmm. talk about some real shit or let's not mm-hmm. have the conversation. That's kind of... So Katie would you say it's a lack of social skills in it a sense? It is a lack of social skills. But what's kind of sad is you can't have those conversations with people that are so into that conversation that you're like, dude, really? I mean, is this you to the I core? Think, is this is this is it? I think, um, you know, again, this is a generalization. I know. Because there's a lot of and like, dudes out there, I man. am I single like and that. like I don't want to be alone forever. So I don't want all the men out there to think that like I'm just like a man hating like. <laughs> You're not. I know her. Man eater. She's beautiful um, and amazing. So <laughs> thank you, Brad. And, yes. Um, but what I what I have experienced in my own dating life is that there is a lack of depth mm-hmm. to a lot of men. And it doesn't mean that they don't have the capacity right. or the ability, but it's that nobody ever said to them- That it's okay. And I would love for you to go to that place with me. Right. I would love to hear your thoughts on aliens. Well, the thing on, is you can't feel vulnerable. Because right. here's this word again, because then you're a pussy. Right. You're not trying to get it. Now you're a pussy. And that's exactly like, what I meant before. But don't be a pussy. You know, you want to hear that as a young man. You're like, you do something, and then that phrase comes into into equation a lot. Whether that's you skin your yeah. knee on something simple, you're three Don't trying to walk it off, yeah. walk it off. Don't be a pussy. But also, uh, the thing we you know? talked about is like my when, dad never did that. By the way, when thank goodness. you have a young boy and you they they get teased about having a girlfriend, it's like, oh, is she your girlfriend? This starts in like third grade. Mm-hmm. The first thing they do is go, is she pretty? So we have a family friend who is this cute, like 12 year old boy who's like a mini Bradford and Brad's like, oh, he's a Virgo. I love Man, him. I he's love like the kid. sweetest. He's love like a great looking kid. He's like a play sports, but he's the kindest, sweetest soul. And we're just like, oh man, cause he's just so different than like the typical teenage boy. And he loves this girl. Like he like is madly in love with this girl. And she's, he was going into seventh grade. So he was in sixth grade. He's like, but she's in eighth grade. And we were <laughs> laughing and we're like, what do you love about her? That's what we said. We just said, we didn't bring up looks or anything. He's like, she's so funny. And she makes me laugh. Like we always play volleyball together. And it was like all the real things that actually would make you like someone. So because he looks like he'd be, you know, a little Hollywood heartlet, you know, mm-hmm. star. We're like, I bet this girl probably looks like, you know, would be a match in that capacity. She's probably like this really pretty, like popular Mm -hmm. girl, whatever. And so he shows us her picture and Brad's like, God, I love him so much. And she's like this like chubby, like sweet. And he's like, he's like, she's cut from my cloth. Yeah, I'm serious. And we were like, (laughs) I love him so much. And he's like, she's just so fun. And I just, she just like makes me like my heart. Like he was madly in love with this girl. And it, it Let doesn't me ask occur you guys to him. though. So he's a family friend, so you've known him for yeah. a while. Yeah. yeah. So when he was younger, and I mean like four, five, six, seven, were you guys around? No. Okay. No, it's was more like two, three years. Okay. Yeah. So because and that like from a psychological standpoint is what I'm so interested mm-hmm. in. Me too. Is what did his parents say to him during those years when you learn? You know, a, a lot of parents kind of. I think it's okay that the whole notion you have, you and I have talked about this before, Katie, like when you like a girl, you like push her in the sand, mm-hmm. you know, that mentality <laughs> that like, that's how you show your love, you which is just like so fucked up in every way. And so I'm always so interested as to how 
you know, well-adjusted, adaptable, happy kids turn out that way Mm -hmm. because it doesn't happen in a vacuum. I mean, there are things Mm -hmm. that are said over and over again in your home that reaffirm to you and show you that you're worth something and that you're deserving and that the way that you treat other people is so important. It's also personality type. And we talked about this and we're, Mm -hmm. we're big on astrology because he has a sister who is the exact opposite. Wow. And she is just this like innate, like natural mean girl. Like it's not even like a thing that's learned. She's She's, she's a little model. She's an all-star volleyball player. She's nine. And she acts like, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I was a serious mean girl. Yeah. (laughs) No, no. Like in, in, in all seriousness, I was a mean girl And I was very young and I had a lot of wounds Mm -hmm. and that's why I was that way. Well, she's sensitive and like, that's what we talked about. And that could be it. And it's also that he's so well liked that I think she picks up on that too. I'm sure (laughs) that's hard. That's hard in any sibling Everyone loves him because he's such a doll. So I think it's just, I think there's so many interesting things like to watch about that. But I do wonder when it changes, like when he will be made aware that he can't like who he likes because she doesn't look how his friends think she should look. And that's something all boys face. And I just think it's so stupid because it's not natural. And I think if you allowed people to be attracted to those qualities that they actually would (coughs) enjoy being around, that everyone would like something different. And it would be a totally different platform for dating at this point for everyone. We the, Speak on it, Brad. Do, okay. yeah, right. I can tell it's yeah, coming. Like, <clears throat> well, because we've talked about this many times and this exists in young uh, women as well, but it's definitely primarily men. It's very strange. Guys are like a wolf pack. I don't get it. They have their friends. They will, they will base 90% of their actions and everything they do for the friend's approval. Mm. Okay. I'm not saying that young girls don't do this too. It happens. Right. But a guy could really like with the young boy we're talking about, he could really be into this girl. And then all of a sudden his friends are like, Oh, she's like fat or she's what dude. She's like, and immediately he's like, I didn't really like her anyway. It wasn't even like that, man. You know, and it, and immediately shut the whole thing down because there's no approval from the friends. So, Ryan that, Phillippe is low-key nodding that's, right now. That, that's bothersome. But do you think that's the tribal It is the tribal thing. Of like thing, but like from an find, evolutionary yeah, standpoint. Yeah, they're trying to find where they fit in the male That's group. what I was going to say. I don't, even bl- I don't even think that's taught by their parents. I think that's just, I was about to say, almost like this uh, innate thing that we have as humans to want to be accepted as well. Because now all of a sudden they're, they're pushing you out of the tribe. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah. oh, well, you're no longer one of us because you're going to go for that. Mm-hmm. you know. But as I've said uh, many times, I... I look at it this way. We like what we like and we don't really have reasons for that. I don't, for example, I don't really li- I don't like tomatoes. I try them every year, can't stand them. I don't get it. I don't know if you eat a tomato, you taste something sugary and sweet and wonderful. I fucking eat it and I hate it, right? There's no reason for that. It's just the way that I am, the way I was born. It's the same way as we feel attracted to people. It's like Baskin Robbins has all those flavors for a reason. There's that funky black licorice one in the back that always has a scoop out of it, mm-hmm. right? Because someone fucking loves it's it. Someone's okay? favorite. Somebody's favorite flavor. I I love chocolate. You love vanilla. You can't convince me one way or the other. It's just the way it is. So my flavor. I might can't have dairy. Right. I mean, it's- but the thing is, is your flavor might be that, right? My flavor's curves. Love my wife. She's curvy. Oh my goodness, right? Mm-hmm. That's another podcast, right? 
that maybe we don't broadcast. Sounds like maybe something but, you shouldn't broadcast. Right, that we shouldn't broadcast. <laughs> um, but Unless that's, what, paid. that's yeah. what I find interesting. Clearly, this young man, it's not even just physical for him. He's attracted to a flavor of personality, yeah. like all oh, this fun and this and that. But if she doesn't fit this particular mold that his friends or society or maybe it is his dad or mom or someone that thinks, right, he's going to not pursue that. Well, and it's that's the follower really mentality sad. too, because it's the one alpha male sets the tone for yes. the group. And if, yes. if you went against the alpha male and were like, no, like she's freaking cool. Why wouldn't I hang out with her? You hang out with these girls that might look a certain way, but they're boring. I right? was the alpha male. So if nobody gave me shit. But if the person went back against <laughs> that one person that saying like, oh, she, you can't like her. And then they actually got support from the other group. They could flip the whole dynamic right. of the, the group onto that one kid who was being stupid. Right. And like, that's what's sad about men is I don't think that they do that. They tend to let the douchiest, dumbest person lead instead of all coming together and going like, no, dude, what are you talking about? And then, then they would be peer pressured to not be a douchebag. Like, and I think that's, you know, what needs to change is that the group of men, when they do witness this behavior, that's ridiculous. Instead of just being quiet and being like, oh, whatever, he's, he's, I'm not even going to get into it. I was just going to ignore it and move on. Cause I don't want to start a thing with Bill. Who's always a problem right. and let him run rampant if they went and held them accountable from a younger age, then they wouldn't get themselves in that situation where this one person's dictating what everyone thinks and does. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you have to teach your kids that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind yeah. of the, that's kind of the bottom line to this entire conversation is that, you know, this wonderful little boy that you guys are talking about, you know, we don't want that look, you know, that look that he has of life, that, that outlook on life to go away right. because he gets older. Mm -hmm. And we all know because of when we grew up, I mean, Bradford a little bit uh, earlier than yeah, us, um, you know, we know that as you get older and as you're exposed to more of the world, you know, that naivete it goes away mm -hmm. and those really Especially loving now. understanding <laughs> eyes you know change mm -hmm. and become cynical and become skeptical and i think that's exactly what we're saying you know to everybody listening who have young children is that think of that moment in your own life when you realized that something you really like is something you're really passionate about something mm -hmm. you maybe even loved wasn't what your friends thought was good for you. Yeah, and we've or all when you've been that. on the opposing side of that. Right, yeah. and, and, to, and to stick to your fucking guns. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's one of the hardest lessons that I learned in my 20s is that every time I went along with something that someone else, that served someone else and not me, I compromised myself in a way that I was never able to get back. Mm -hmm. Amen. And on that note. Yeah. I mean, we could, we this is it. one of I those mean, we could go on forever on. <laughs> it's a great subject. I mean, it's a great subject. And obviously, Carrie, you're going to be a regular because this is just too thank good. Thank you, guys. Too this good. is such a wonderful thing, and I'm yes. so excited to be here. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you very much. We will definitely come up with some amazing topics. Uh, and if you have in the future, yeah. if you have questions, can you can send them DM me on Instagram at healthy is a new skinny or Katie H Wilcox, or you guys can just comment on the podcast thread on the blog, anything you guys want to talk about. We're mm -hmm. totally down. We would even set up a Skype call with someone and oh, let you ask definitely. questions. Yeah, so if you're, if you're into that, just hit us up and we're happy that the four of you are listening. So thanks uh, so much. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. 
guys are loving our podcast, you can listen to every episode on our website, which is healthyisthenewskinny.com. And there's so much great content on there. There's videos talking about the fashion industry, health, recipes, and you can just hang out with Bradford and I on Instagram. So you can follow Healthy is the New Skinny. You can follow my personal, which is KDH Wilcox. And we just launched Healthy is the New Skinny's Husband. And that Instagram is one you don't want to miss. So we will see you guys next time. Bye.